Tom Brady has changed the NFL in a lot of ways. He first changed the NFL on September 23, 2001, when he came in to replace an injured Drew Bledsoe, although we didn't quite know it then. He did it again in 2002 on February 3rd, when he drove the Patriots up the field with less than 90 seconds remaining on the clock. Brady started a dynasty when he did that, although we didn't quite know it then either. And when Brady won his next Super Bowl in 2003 and 2004, he continued to change sports. By then, we kind of figured it out. So it surprised nobody when in 2015, 2017, and 2019, Brady and the Patriots won Super Bowls 49, 51, and 53. Well, perhaps 49 surprised Pete Carroll. 51 may have once may have stunned the Falcons, but to football fans everywhere, it felt like the norm. But Brady has changed ways football in ways not relating to championships as well. He did so when the tuck rule allowed the Patriots to beat the Raiders on a winter night in Foxborough. And in 2008, when he was injured in the first game of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs, effectively ending his season, he changed football by changing the way the QB position was officiated and protected. Not all of his changes were good ones, however. Deflategate comes to mind. In 2020, Brady changed the NFL when he left New England, ending a dynasty and shifting the balance of power to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what happened there. Realistically, in a storied career like Brady's, there was really only one way left for him to change the game of football, and that was to leave it. And at 2.39 p.m. Eastern on January 29th, the seven-time Super Bowl champion did just that. Or, reportedly, that one still might be up in the air. He may come back for another season, and I'll have to rewrite this one, but only the future can tell. But I have to admit, I didn't see this coming. I had stayed up to date with the latest rumors and knew what people were reporting. But Tom Brady has been such a force in football for so many years that football without him genuinely didn't compute. One of my first experiences watching football involved Tom Brady. I was sitting, I was visiting family, and my uncle had a football game on. So I sat down, and we watched Patriots at Bills in December of 2009. The Patriots had taken a 14-3 lead, and my uncle turned the game off. I asked him why, and he said he was rooting for the Bills. He just didn't like Tom Brady. But when the Patriots and Tom Brady take a lead, they tend not to give it back. And he was right. That day in December, the Patriots would go on to win 17-10 over the Bills. And that was my introduction to Tom Brady and the Patriots. They don't lose. Because of that simple fact that Tom Brady and the Patriots don't lose, the team and Brady himself became beloved by few but hated by many. As with the rise of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, people love to see a new king take the hill. But once the king ascends and takes the throne, we clamor for him to get off, rooting for the next champion to rise. When Tom Brady ascended that throne in 2001 against the Rams, he never relinquished it. Not entirely, anyway. And that's why when the Patriots played against Seattle, I was definitely rooting for the Seahawks. I honestly think most of America was. And most of America, just like I was, was crushed when Seattle made one of the most controversial play calls in the storied history of the game. You know what happened with that one. And similarly, when the Falcons were winning 20-3, I delighted with the rest of America, laughing at the Patriots. We finally got one over them. But then, America and I, we watched in disbelief as Brady helped to orchestrate one of the greatest comebacks of all time. You can't hate him for it. The guy just wins. And on and on, he wins again and again. And each time, I rooted against Tom Brady. And I rooted against a man who seemed like a force. Not really a person, but the personification of greatness itself. More often than not, when I rooted against Tom Brady, 
I was left disappointed watching as he and the Patriot way dominated the NFL for 20 years. But now with the most storied career in the history of the NFL coming to an end, as well as the most extraordinary underdog story ever, it's finally time to stop hating greatness and to finally begin to appreciate it. It feels like we haven't done that. Everybody's just so busy rooting against Tom Brady, it's hard to really step back and look at what he's done. Now, for the past few seasons, I felt that Aaron Rodgers was the greatest QB of all time. The artful way he plays the position is genuinely different from the quarterbacks that came before him. To me, Rodgers was Mahomes before Mahomes, an electric player and the first of a futuristic group of quarterbacks that would change both the league and how football itself is played. And on top of that artistry, the precision in which Rodgers plays the game, the simple lack of error, might be the most extraordinary part of his game. In the three years Matt LaFleur has coached the Packers, Rodgers has thrown 13 interceptions while throwing 111 touchdowns. His interception percentage? It's been the best in the league, either at 1% or even lower. That feels crazy for a guy who's now won two MVPs. However, Rodgers has failed to deliver in the playoffs, and that, in my opinion, hurts his argument as the greatest of all time. To be truly great, you need to overcome adversity and remain triumphant. Rodgers won a Super Bowl, but after years of regular season greatness, that looks more and more like an outlier, which feels crazy to say, given how good the Packers are year to year. Perhaps Rodgers is more of a Drew Brees, a genuinely great quarterback who won once, but through a series of crazy circumstances never could do it again. A Marino, more than a Montana, if you will. Still a great, but not greatness itself. But Brady has overcome adversity in a way that I really can't quantify. He did it in 2001 when New England had the ball in their territory with just a minute 21 on the clock and no timeouts in his pocket. At the time, the immortal John Madden suggested that the Patriots simply play for OT, but Brady and the Patriots didn't listen, and he won. A few years later, he did it again against the Panthers. With just 108 remaining on the clock, he maneuvered the Patriots into field goal range, and he won. In later Super Bowls, Brady definitely got help from his defense. I think Brady himself would even tell you that. But in Super Bowl 51, with the Falcons having a 99.4% chance of victory, according to ESPN, Tom Brady led the charge and overcame the odds, and he won. Kind of crazy considering that it's 99.4%. That 0.6%, that's what Brady is. Those aren't the only times that Brady has displayed his unquantifiable greatness. The number of comebacks he's led is too long to be detailed in the humble column. I really can only begin to explore the greatness of Brady in this format. But to be great, I do know one thing. You must defy the odds and rise to the occasion. No quarterback has done that more than Tom Brady. And that's why Brady will always be the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion. Emphasis on my opinion. I know that this piece is definitely going to be a controversial one. Just ask Tony. And so now... The greatness has ceased. Let us all sit back and finally stop hating it and rooting against it, but reflect upon it, recognize it, and respect it. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Thanks, Tom. You've done a lot for the game, and it's been a thrill to watch you do it. For the Touchdown Rundown, I'm Tom Zwiller.